color and light and keep on thinking free the most eclectic mix of music in the city that never sleeps at 99.5 fm wbai new york and streaming live at www.wbai.org shift again night 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 shift night shift again i'll be damn late now where are my people 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 where are my people
about it, and I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, talking about this. Uh, I saw something, they saw something. There was a, a lot of light. That's all I knew.
And you are tuned to listener-sponsored radio, WBAI 99.5 FM in New York and on the web at WBAI.org. I'm Mike Sargent, and this is Night Shift. And I'm going to do something very special here on Night Shift for a couple reasons. One, as you know, the new film, Wakanda Forever, which is Black Panther 2, just came out this past Friday. I did a review on Friday on my show, Real World, and I brought on a guest co-host and uh, also fellow film and culture critic named Chuck Creekmer of AllHipHop.com. And we had a great conversation talking about what the film and the, the original film and comic books and being a person of color and heroes and just, just a, 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 a great conversation uh, along with the review of both Wakanda Forever and the original Black Panther. And it was condensed from a longer conversation we had. So I decided I'm going to play that longer conversation here on Night Shift, along with some of the sound bites that I had originally truncated so I could fit into a 25-minute show on Friday. But prior to that, I went back into the archives. Now, as you also know, this is, we're in the 30th year of Night Shift, so I've been playing old programs uh, at least a few times a month. Uh, and when I say old programs, I, let me rephrase that. I've been playing vintage Night Shift, and we've been hearing encore presentations of vintage Night Shift from the past 30 years. And I've also done several other shows here, and as you know, or hopefully, hopefully you know, I'm also the film critic here at WBAI, and so I do a show called Real World, and back... In 2018, when the original Black Panther came out, I did a review, and I had an interview with Ruth Carter, who won an Oscar for the costume designs for Black Panther. So I'll play that. That's short. I'll play that review at the time of Black Panther, just to contextualize it directly from real world. And then I'll go to the review I did of Wakanda Forever and a look back at Black Panther Four years later, after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, among other things. And then we'll get to some more encore presentations of Classic Night Shift. You're tuned to listener sponsored radio, WBAI. And I'm Mike Sargent, and this is Real World. There are well over a dozen movies coming out today, but I'm really going to focus on just one. I'm going to focus on just one because this is not just a movie. And of course, I'm talking about Black Panther. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up! Let's go, go, go! Uh, we are home. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Black Panther has 
become a cultural phenomenon, and it has become so for a number of reasons. First, let's just talk about the movie. Black Panther is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and at this point, just like in the comic book world, the world and the co heroes and the history has been established. Black Panther was first introduced in Captain America's Civil War, and he, along with Spider-Man, almost stole the show. Black Panther is a character that was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee back in the mid to late 60s, and he appeared in the Fantastic Four. At the time, Stan Lee, being the artist and the visionary he was, he made Black Panther a very unique hero. It was unique to have a black character as a hero period that wasn't a sidekick but even more powerful to have a hero that was actually a king in an imaginary african i'll tell you the premise of the black panther but then i'm going to also talk a little bit about why it's so significant black panther this story picks up after a civil war where t'challa has now after the death of his father in civil war has to go back to wakanda and become king not something he's necessarily ready or wants to be, but it is part of tradition. And we find out how the Black Panther gets his powers, and we discover one of the best cinematic parts of the film, which is Wakanda. Wakanda is an imaginary African country that has the greatest technology on the planet, but it's been kept hidden for a number of reasons. I don't want to go into all of the politics of the film, but that's also an important element of the film, and I'll discuss it just a little bit. But the rest of the story really has to do with him finding out more about his past, about his father. We, as the audience, learn about the history of Wakanda, and we find out why Michael B. Jordan, who plays a great villain called Killmonger, became Killmonger, and how he is actually connected to both Black Panther and Wakanda. Other than that, I don't want to give away too much more of the story, because it's definitely something to be experienced. And the experience of seeing Black Panther is a number of things. On one level, it's fun. It's a superhero movie. It's an original take on the origin of a superhero. It's a great idea for a black hero. But let me just give a tiny bit of a history of black images in science fiction film. And I say science fiction because all comic book heroes, all superhero movies are science fiction essentially. They have fantastic powers. They can do all these things. There's all kinds of technology. It's straight up science fiction. So this film is actually black science fiction. More importantly, what it's called today, Afrofuturism. Futurism. If you don't know what Afrofuturism is, let's just suffice it to say that it is science fiction that is written from a cultural perspective that is uniquely African. And African, I'm encompassing the diaspora, people of color, any and every part of people who consider themselves to be of African heritage. Science fiction, as you've probably heard me say, at its best has something to say about the human condition. And Black Panther very much does, because if there were such a country as Wakanda that hadn't been hidden, how would the Wakandans feel not only about the rest of the other countries and the economy and things going on, but the history of African people on this planet? That's one of the underlying things, and it's why this film has been called the first woke superhero film because it's not only self-aware in that there's humor in it as in all marvel comic book movies but it's also self-aware all the characters are not just happen to be black as in many science fictions led by will smith or other actors and who are just a happen to be a black character in a primarily white science fiction that's written and directed by 
It's basically white people writing science fiction. And the black characters, irregardless of whether they were the cliché that die early in the film or they were underwritten or they're only there to service the white characters, they've never been represented like we see in Black Panther. Black Panther is a film that has been written and directed and has a largely black cast. It is great to see on screen an unabashed black character who's not just a black character, but he's proudly black, proudly African, proud of his heritage, and most importantly, a king. I cannot speak enough about what the power of the impact of this is and will be for young children of color, not only to see themselves on screen, but it's a very different narrative to hear in life that you're a descendant of slaves, you're a descendant of slaves, you're a descendant of slaves, you're a descendant of slaves. You've heard that if you live in this country, but now to learn and embrace and acknowledge that you're a descendant of kings, and that's a very different narrative for any science fiction film to have. It is, in my opinion, a game changer. It will change what we see coming out of Hollywood for a number of reasons, mostly because of how much money will be made. And we all know Hollywood does follow the money. One of the greatest aspects of this film is the costumes. They're uniquely Wakandan, but they're a blend of African styles, and oh, we see all kinds of colors and, and just things you, you rarely ever get to see on screen, especially by a big-budget blockbuster film. And I got a chance to speak with Oscar-winning costume designer Ruth Carter on the costumes she designed for Black Panther. For most people, I'd say, when they say costume, when you think costume, people think of superhero movies and the superhero costume. That's pretty much, I think, what young people would think today. But you are working on Black Panther, which takes place in a fictional African country. So how do you create costumes for a place that doesn't exist? What do you draw from? Um, we, in, even in that, we don't draw from a fictional African place because we don't want this to be a fictional, fictional African movie. We take our images from real African uh, tribes and we combine them and that's how we make it up. We combine them from real African tribes and so we have the Maasai and the Himba tribe and we might combine the two and come up with our own tribe but it's based on something real and that's what makes it even better because it's more relatable it has more of a origin and it looks better you can go so much further with it you can it gives the actors more to draw from it gives the costume more to draw, draw from it it has more of an impact visually um, you know, something made up is very sometimes one-dimensional and starts to look like a 60s sci-fi movie. Gotcha. And was it difficult considering Africa's not a place where, you know, there's as much documentation about uh, how people dressed as in other countries? Was that difficult? What did you draw from? To oh, there's, there's a lot of documentation. There's a lot. Uh, there's one book we, uh, we had that's called uh, Ancient... African Civilizations. Uh, there was another book we had called African Ceremonies. Um, another one was called Before They Pass Away. And uh, they're very, very clear images 
And hey, if you just take one image of a African tribe, you know, these tribes are disappearing because everyone's moved out of the country and moved into the cities in Africa. So Africa's a very modern place. These, these tribes that we're drawing from are ancient tribes, you know, and if you look at one photograph from those ancient tribes, you'll find, you know, a plethora of details that you could use for your pur any purpose. So, um, you know, I find it equal. I find that African culture is so dynamic and it has, I mean, you take the Dogon, for example, they were the first astronomers and one of the first astronomers and their customs and their traditions and their their ceremonies were so rich that you could just take one aspect of it and build a whole costume off of it. What you just heard was my original interview with Ruth Carter for Black Panther and my original review of Black Panther on Real World here on WBAI. Now I'm going to play the review I did of Wakanda Forever and the look back at Black Panther where I had on my special guest, Chuck Kriegmer. This film that we're going to talk about today, Wakanda Forever, is too significant, I think, for just me to sit here and tell you my view. I think that it is something that requires a delegate of a certain level. So I brought on uh, Chuck Kriegmer, who is the co-founder of allhiphop.com and also a cultural critic, and most importantly, a comic book fan. Chuck, welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. And I love to hear your voice. So, right. so smooth. Yes, well, thank you, Chuck. All right, so, <laughs> so, so, so first question for you is, uh, before we get to Wakanda Forever, what was your relationship to comic books, superheroes growing up? Were you a Marvel fan, DC fan? Did you read comics at all? What was your deal? All right, so here's my deal. I grew up as a baby, as a child, as an infant. I was a DC head. My granddad used to call me Batman. Call my younger brother Robin. So that that those were my guys. Batman and Robin were my guys, and obviously Superman and 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 all those guys. Flash, you know what I mean? The Super Friends. But quickly, I grew up, and uh, I mean, I always loved Marvel, but Marvel began to speak to me uh, very loudly. And so, Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, uh, Wolverine, the X-Men, the the tropes and the uh, themes in Marvel were a little more meatier and, and of substance, even as a young person. And so um, I had more of an emotional response to those characters, and, I, and they resonated with me. The Hulk resonated with me because I was a, a young, shy kid who uh, could, be, could have been called a nerd, and um, and that and and that other side of him uh, was 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 like me, and 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 so I manifested that as I grew older. I'll tell you a little of my story, similar to you. I was definitely a nerd, okay, and I was definitely a nerd before it was in to be a nerd, okay, because now being a nerd right. was it, to right. tell to 
I'm sure you agree with me. Like when we were kids, if you had said to me one day, nerds will rule, they'll be the richest people. <laughs> there'll be TV shows about them and movies mm-hmm. and, and everybody will love nerds. I'll be like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Right. You remember, you remember Revenge of the Nerds? Mary? Of course. The nerd was always the guy with the glasses and mousy looking big mm-hmm. nose. Black nerd was always the friend with the bad afro. And so that being mm-hmm. said, uh, yes, as a comic book fan, I love Batman because you remember seeing the TV series when I was a kid, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the comics. Yes. But more like the iconography mm-hmm. of Batman, you know, like he was cool yeah. he was at night. So I was a Batman fan, mm-hmm. but Marvel spoke to me. My first comic Mm -hmm. ever was a Spider-Man comic. Read it Mm -hmm. like a hundred times or something. In interviews, Stan Lee said how he really changed comics in the 60s is that he made superheroes with problems. As opposed to, you know, Clark Kent's biggest problem was somebody finding out his secret identity. Whereas (laughs) Peter Parker was dating girls, getting kicked around. Peter Parker was the, uh, the kid at the beach that they kicked sand on in that comic that was in the comics. So yes, yeah. I related to him, definitely had my Marvel favorites. I was definitely more of a Marvel person than DC. But now let's jump ahead. Comic books all of a sudden become big business. The 90s, we, we had Super, Superman was 80s really, 70s, 80s, but we had Superman and then we had Blade. And in my opinion, those mm-hmm. were two, the two comic book chains prior to be, before there was the age we're in now. What was your reaction when now as an adult, now looking back, now more culturally aware, now more, they're all hiphop.com. So you're clearly, you're not trying to assimilate. So now having, I don't want to say worship, but having had all those white heroes as your hero, two questions. One, where did Black Panther and Luke Cage fit in for you in there and the black heroes that were out there? Because, you know, there were some comp- mm-hmm. black. Where did black heroes fit in there? And then what did you think of the fact that now Marvel has become, movies became a thing? So those two questions. That's a great question because black heroes uh, back in the day were not at the forefront at all. Um, and I'll be honest, Black Panther was not my favorite superhero growing up. Um, I love Power Man and Iron Fist, though. I absolutely fell in love with that comic series, and I love Power Man. I think, obviously, he's a spinoff of black exploitation, and there's some, some tropes and themes that are a little disturbing now. But back then, it was everything because he was sort of our black Superman. So I always liked him. And I had a few others, man, but everybody had black in front of their name. So it was always like Black Lightning or Black this, black that, black you know Goliath. what I mean? So right. Black Goliath. I remember, <laughs> and he had he had his stomach out. Or was that yeah, that was Black Goliath. He had his, his belly out, but he, you know, he had abs, so it was cool. But you know, it was always a little weird. And, you know, so you know, when you fast forward to Blade, I, I feel like Blade was the first time, I mean, obviously, uh from a movie perspective, was the first time we were visually able to see a black superhero that mattered. So Meteor Man, Shaq's character, those things don't count. You know what I mean? So Blade was the first time we saw the introduction of a cool um, black visual that we could really uh, grab onto and really love. You know, so I loved Blade as a series. He was, you know, an anti-hero, but, but a hero nonetheless. You better wake up. 
the world you live in is just a sugar-coated topic. There is another world beneath it. The real world. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in with a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're going to be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Half human. Blade's mother was attacked by a vampire while she was pregnant. Half immortal. He got the best of both worlds. All our strengths. None of our weaknesses. He is their greatest fear and our only hope. This open season of all vampires. Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff. You're one of them, aren't you? No, I'm something else. Luke Cage, okay, every superhero does it for the good, but Luke Cage started as a hero for hire. And I always had, right, an yeah. I always had an issue with how he spoke. He spoke like no black person ever spoke. Uh, but <laughs> right. uh, I also followed it for the art because it was Billy Graham mm -hmm. early, early on. And then for Black Panther, again, the art made me want to read Black Panther because, and, right. and, you know, not Jungle Tales, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And yes, I was slightly offended by, the, you know, the fake African names, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I, I had my issues, you know, with Black yeah. heroes because they, they didn't really represent mm -hmm. me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, that was then. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You running around screaming Christmas? <laughs> sweet Christmas. No, first of all, it's sweet, sweet Christmas. Christmas. Holy mother of something. Like all, all these really. And I'll just say also the other thing that offended me is if you look at like, even if you weren't, even if I wasn't collecting them then, but if you, you and mm -hmm. it was Power Man by the time maybe you pay attention, you look back at old Luke Cage where, you know, Captain America's, you know, beating up the Red Skull. I remember a cover of Luke Cage where he's like, he's, it's Black Maria, Black Mariah, and he's punching right, black, right. a fat black woman on a boat. So the, even though the art was great, I hated the imagery. So for me, I ended up creating my own hero. Okay, but that's another story. But for uh -huh. me, yeah, I found black heroes lacking for me. I had issues. Marvel movies start becoming a thing. Starting yeah. with Iron Man. No one's allowed to talk, is that it? You can't talk? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. <laughs> is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? 
I humbly present the Jericho. Tony Stark. Now you work for me. What are you building, Stark? Your tears for your long lost boss? Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, will you? What happened over there? I have my eyes open. I want to protect the people. I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can rule all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. See if this dog can hunt. So the upgrade is complete. Tell you what, throw a little hot rod red in there. Damn. Good luck keeping up. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. What was your thought as this began to happen? Man, I was basically like, I've waited my whole life for this. That's how I felt. I felt like this is it. I couldn't believe all those years we used our imagination, all those years of having toys and flying them around, drawing my own comic book, mentally visualizing these things. And we saw like the TV Captain America and the, and in hindsight, the terrible Fantastic Four. And even the Hulk, honestly, at that point, that was dope for that moment, but it didn't carry on into the 90s for sure. So when Iron Man came, and even then after that, the Incredible Hulk, the Hulk, I was, I was just, oh my God, I could, I could, I, you know, there's a picture of me and my daughter. My daughter is a Hulk fan too, because she, she grew up on Hulk like I did, meaning like I was always showing her the Hulk. I was just going to say, in other words, she was your daughter. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I got pictures of her every level of life with the Hulk. And, uh, and, uh, this, I have such an awkward picture of me in front of this lifestyle size Hulk with my daughter, He's like barely above my knee. But I, I was like a kid again. Iron Man, the technology caught up, uh, the Hulk. I mean, and then, and then, and then it just, it just went from there. And this, and by the way, you know, everybody wasn't really on board. With it. I mean, it was a, it, it was a bit of a slow burn. You know what I'm saying? So everybody wasn't on, on board. Comic Cons weren't like they are now. Even then they weren't that big. And, um, Man, I, you know, it's good to 
that you mentioned it now because we have so many comic movies. There every every week a day is a show or a movie or a something. You know, it was pure then. I think I think that's the best way. It was still pure for us, and it was for us. You know, the black nerds, the nerds, the people that were there from day one. They got this amazing prize for being faithful and loyal and 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 even um and even just staying alive you know what i'm saying oh no no listen i know i know exactly what you're saying and i'll contextualize it for those who aren't comic book fans to say that it's like people who read the novel and then they're making a movie like oh okay you know and everybody loves the movie they're like oh well the novel's better so you know you kind of have you feel like you have an inside track and i agree with you you're right that right at that point was where it was still for us, you know, and there was an audience growing that never read the comics. And that's what was, but the names, iconography was all Mm -hmm. familiar. Everybody knew Mm Spider-Man, everybody knew Batman, everybody. So superhero movies had been around. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing, like you said, it was a slow burn. Nothing could prepare us for it defining mainstream and, and being raised. So, oh, by the way, can I say something real quick? And it's so interesting to me for them to refer to Iron Man and some of the others as like characters. I'm like, what are you talking about? Now you see, but that's where we get into like, who was your favorite character and who, what characters did you care about? Because they had to start with Iron Man because they'd already sold their most popular X-Men and Spider-Man were already sold to Sony and Fox. So they could only use quote unquote B characters because Iron Man was never like Spider-Man or like a Batman. He was character like, he was solid, but Mm -hmm. I honestly, Iron Man, I paid attention to, but he was never a favorite in any way, shape or form. And again, if we had a longer time, we get into what comic books translate better to film than they actually were as comic books and what don't, Mm -hmm. or what were okay as comic books, but are great as film, which is in my opinion, what Iron Man is. But uh, what happened now is that now that we have a Marvel universe that's been around for, let's say, 30, 40 years at this point, and let's just <laughs> go back because Wakanda Forever is the 30th Marvel film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's, and it's the launch of what they're calling the Phase 4. For those who mm-hmm. don't know what we're talking about, just know that this all means something. So mm-hmm. now they had to do in 10 to 15 years what it took the comic books uh, essentially 40 years to do because it was a long time before good 10 years in before we black panther or 15 years in before black panther had his own comic book iron right. man didn't start with his own comic book he was part of you know, tales of suspense so all these characters developed their audience developed and all of even all the uh, multi-ethnic characters shang chi during the karate era and like oh. you said luke cage because oh. of black exploitation they that became condensed so they had that right. as they're getting popular and as the audience, and the reality is, they have to diversify. So introducing right. Black Panther was inevitable. So mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. were your thoughts, first of all, prior to Black Panther, uh, you know, seeing him in the Marvel mm-hmm. movies like you did, uh, the introduction mm-hmm. of him in, in Civil War, and then what were your thoughts of both introducing him into the Marvel Universe and then... How did you feel before Black Panther came out versus having seen it? Well, you know, I I, I I thought nothing but great things. You know, I think they did an amazing job of introducing Black Panther. 
in a way that was natural. It didn't feel forced. I didn't feel pandered to. I didn't feel, oh, they're selling us this black thing to the blacks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the blacks. <laughs> the blacks. The blacks need a hero now. Yes, yeah. The Let's blacks. give them Black Panther. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> and so I felt I felt good, man. And you know, um, I never you know, I, I always respected the uh the 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 story behind Black Panther. And so I just I felt great, man. I, I can't lie. Um I felt great. And I know we'll talk about recast, but I'll just throw it out there. That's partially why I was team recast, because of the feeling that I felt towards such a strong leading character that was as powerful as Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America. He could definitely hold his own. There's shows, comics and cartoons of him holding his own against Thor. You know what I'm saying? So this is what we needed, I feel. And that's where I'll stop. All right, we'll stop there and I'll play the trailer. Only the most broken people can be great leaders. These people did not call him General or King. They called him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God, killing him. We'll risk eternal war. He's coming for the surface world. What you whisper, they lost the protector. Is our time to strike? Show them. Seeing that trailer, what were your thoughts when you first saw the trailer in terms of like what the story was going to be? Because I want to talk about the impact of Black Panther now and why it was so impactful. Uh, we know what it means to us. Okay. We're black nerds. Okay. To see a black hero on screen, like it, it means everything to us, but to the rest of the world and to let me not get ahead of myself. So first of all, thoughts on the trailer and then the film itself. Trailer. I was skittish on the trailer. I actually stopped watching them because they were giving me too much. I didn't want to walk in knowing almost, I wanted to know almost nothing because I didn't, I wanted to put aside my personal feelings and I wanted to enjoy the movie as a movie and not, I didn't even want to think about Chadwick too much. I didn't want to think about 
Shuri possibly becoming the Black Panther. I didn't want to think about is Doctor Doom going to show us this the opening? Uh, for- right, I just played the, the trailer for the first film, not Wakanda. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're still talking about Black Panther. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's all right. So I didn't play it to you, so you didn't know what I played. I just played the first Black Panther. I'm just going to mark this. Got you. I just played the first Black Panther trailer. So I was leading up to saying that he was introduced great. Remember? You loved how he was introduced. You didn't feel pandered to. And then, so you had good, you had high hopes. So I wanted your reaction to the original trailer and then seeing the original film. So you got you. Yeah. So, yeah. So the original, no, the original trailer just got me more and more excited for the, for the movie. You know, I was all in, you know, so I consumed it like it was a good meal, just couldn't get enough. You know what I mean? And it also made me go back and watch, you know, the movies before again and again. Um, after watching the movie, I, I was blown away. There were so many themes. There were so many conversations, you know, between Killmonger. And Black Panther, I mean, honestly, a lot of us were like, Killmonger was right. Black Panther was a little soft, you know what I mean? So there was a lot of conversation in the Black community around uh, uh, the, the the themes in Black Panther. I think it was powerful, too, more powerful than just the conversation was within the Black community, right? So I, I casually cosplay. So when I went to San Diego that at, during that time, I dressed up as Black Panther, and there's this little white kid. I mean, he's he's less than 10. He's probably like five or six. And he, he recognized me even casually as Black Panther and wanted to take a picture. And and I, I found I didn't even have a mask on. It was it was fascinating. And so uh it was also powerful for other cultures to see us in that powerful light, not a sidekick, not you know, regulated to some weak role, you know, almighty, all powerful, all, all respected. You know what I mean? And that's how I felt about Black Panther overall. And, and I think that, uh, we dressed up. We had African pride. You know, we felt like we wanted to sh- trace our roots. We wanted Wakanda to be real. And we also saw that rise of a lot of hate. Remember? Oh, Wakanda's not real. And, you know, there was a lot of hate towards us during that period. And, you know, we shot back like, well, is Rocky real? I mean, a lot of you guys are out here trying to fight and trying to feel pride as an Italian, for example, because of Rocky, who has a statue in Philly, you know, more prominent than uh, Joe, Joe Frazier. You know what I'm saying? So anyhow, uh, it was a great cultural moment, to say the least. Well, I agree 100% with everything you said. And, and again, I, I wish we had more time, but I will say this, that I think, uh, you, you, you hit upon something what I, what I think is not perhaps even, uh, acknowledged as much as it should be. Because, um, first of all, I think all comic book movies are science fiction. They're just, they're science fiction. Uh, and Black Panther is what you would call Afrofuturism. And, and Afrofuturism is something that is futurism or science fiction that is Afrocentric. And the, the difference with Black Panther, I think, between any, even Blade, okay, or, or any Will Smith movie, yeah. you know, the character happens to be black, you know, yeah. and he, he, he navigates through a white world and, you know, he, he hasn't, he's not, not black, okay, but, you know, he happens to be black in a white world. 
this is the first time, like you said, where this is a character who is not just black, but embraces his culture, embraces his culture. And, and to see that on screen in itself is science fiction. It's just never been done before. A story like this through our lens, how might we view the world if we had a continent of people, uh, a brown people, black people who were never colonized? That was mm-hmm. subtle, just background, mm-hmm. but it is it is one of the deepest political statements you could make about, you know, it's you've never seen that on mm-hmm. screen, period. Mm-hmm. I think that there were a lot of things that made it work. And I think uh, I recently talked about this and I think that Black Panther, not only did it do all these things in terms of us having pride, but what you just said also about that young boy is it showed that little white kids are yellow or tan or kids of all color all kids are going to want to going to want to are going to want to look up to a hero somebody who does heroic things and there's nothing wrong with having it uh, from a film perspective and making 1.3 billion and being like the six Mm -hmm. all that that's all great but what that really says Mm -hmm. is that our stories do matter they do travel you know that myth Mm -hmm. about black stories where your film had to live or die here in America, mm-hmm. that's it. Eddie Murphy films might go over to a few continents, a few, mm-hmm. a few, but all that's changed. We have a very, very different system of distribution and film. And so all of that to say that I think Black Panther, like you said, was a cultural moment. The moment happened, now we have that hero, all these things happen. And then Chadwick Boseman passes. First, I want to know from your perspective, I, well, you've already given away that you already felt like recasting was the move, but I just want to know what your thoughts were. If you Let me also preface this to say I had invited a female, African-American female critic to be here with us because I think Wakanda Forever is an evolution in Afrofuturism that is also, again, reflective of where we are today and just the election and all of the stats coming out. So talk about that the future really is female and that's a whole thing itself. But Prior to having seen Wakanda, and we're not going to do spoilers, but prior to having seen Wakanda, what were your thoughts after Chadwick Boseman passed? Wow. did I'll be honest. I didn't think about Black Panther when Chadwick Boseman died. I thought about him, but I didn't think about the future of the franchise. It was just, I was grieving in my own way, and I was mourning the passing of, a, of an amazing talent. So that was the first thing that was on my mind immediately upon him passing. I felt a deep dread and that, and especially the way he passed and his courageousness on how he conti- how he dealt with that knowing he was dying. So that's, that was my immediate thought. Secondarily though, upon the passage of time, I started to think about the movie and the franchise and what it really meant. And I was concerned, deeply concerned at what they would do with the movie. Wakanda Forever or whatever, you know, was going to be called before him passing Black Panther 2 was going to be. We know that Shuri becomes Black Panther in the books and those books aren't, some of them are fairly recent, but I don't, I didn't see the the, uh, actor that plays Shuri as the Shuri in the books. And I don't believe they were, uh, they didn't have that in mind, in my humble opinion, when they started it all. I was concerned and uh, without saying my opinion on the movie yet, um, I was team recast because I felt like they needed that, that central pillar 
that everyone else was built around in the original movie. And it worked out marvelously. Okay. So Wakanda forever. I didn't watch the trailer. I saw glimpses of it was inescapable. And like what you said earlier, I, I, as a film critic, I've come to, in the last 10 years, I never watch trailers anymore. I stopped watching trailers because I hate waiting to see what I don't know is going to happen to start happening. You know what I mean? So I didn't really want to know. And as we get closer and closer to the movie, they show more and more and more and more. <laughs> and I understand it's like, you know, like there's no reveals anymore. So, but that's all other conversation. But so for me, I didn't see the trailer, but uh, I went in open minded because my overall review of Black Panther, similar to yours, is I thought uh, that it it was not the best Marvel movie, but I thought it was more than solid. I thought it had some moments of brilliance. Okay, and I had some things where you're like, wow, I wish, you know, the CGI was a lot better in that scene. There there were things Mm -hmm. that uh, you wish were better. But there were so many great mm-hmm. things about it that so I went in to see Wakanda Forever fairly open minded. Now, what was your mm-hmm. state of mind going in to Wakanda Forever? Knowing mm-hmm. that you were you were more or less team recast. Okay, so, yeah, I, I saw some of the, I I probably saw the first trailer, and then I stopped watching. And obviously, we're in and flooded with stuff, and then I have a my my boy, one of my best friends. He always sends me. He was killing me. I almost wanted to block him from my phone. He kept sending me everything. And so a lot of it was slightly spoiled for me. But I will say this. I enjoyed the movie. I was a little bit reluctant to even criticize it in that I I think they did the best they could with what they had. And there were so many complications during the creation process. So I just, my brain on the shelf, walking into the the movie, I, I just left it in the car. And I walked in there with as much of an open mind as I could. I also walked in there to enjoy it. Like, a lot, I think a lot of movies, we walk in there to kick it apart or, or find out what's wrong or it's not what we wanted. And I, I didn't do that. I walked in there with an open mind. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. After the fact, I read a few reviews. And I think those reviews, some of them really trashed it. And, and by the way, those were not reviewers of color. So let's put that out there. I think there's a different lens that we look at these movies. And I think there's a different uh, appreciation that we'll have for the movie itself. I thought Kugler did a great job. And I thought some of the little things like the CGI were a lot better. And uh, and I thought they did a good job, man. Most people hated Iron Man 3. I actually didn't hate Iron Man 3. I simply looked at it differently than just an Iron Man movie or a superhero movie. I looked at it like a movie. And so therefore I enjoyed it a little bit differently than other people. So that's my hot take on that's your hot on, take. All right. That's okay. my hot well, take. <laughs> that's that the Chuck Creekmer hot take. All right. So here here's my my hot take is uh, I feel like I think first of all I think Hoogler's a, a really great filmmaker uh and a great storyteller. And I think one of the things he does very well is he knows how to uh, put stakes. There are a lot of stakes in, in this, and, and you understand characters' motivations. Now, uh, I, I also think that Angela Bassett, mm. she should get nominated. She, mm-hmm. yeah. Angela Bassett, Definitely. it's like, you, you, you have you, certain things you say, like, if you're going to get an actress like Angela Bassett, you know she's doing yeah. it right yeah. for Angela Bassett. Right. And 
Right. I give them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I give them credit. Absolutely. They did. They, you know, and and that's part of the beauty of, you know, when you get to a certain power as a storyteller. So, and, and you know, the cast you're working with, you know, it, it's when you have a great TV show, you can have that happen too. So I say that to say, so I love what they did with some of the characters. I, there are definitely some uh, plot contrivances that I feel just from the standpoint of comic book movies. I don't think just because something is a comic book movie or something is a comedy that it doesn't have to make yeah. sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. right. So I don't give you a pass because it's a comic book. No, it still should make sense in the yeah. universe of the series. They tell you that you can't breathe underwater, then you can't like. Right. right. So whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> so what I loved about it also is what they've done with Namor or Namor. Mm -hmm. uh, where Namor. The more, and they've made him Latino, and 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 again, yeah. giving a Latino lens, and and mm -hmm. and I felt what's interesting about it, besides like all of Ryan Coogler's films, it's talking about a lot of things, and like any good science fiction, it's talking about the human condition, and I, I enjoyed that part of it immensely. I think that it does have emotional heft, you know. I think that the acting is terrific uh, all the way down the line. I think that uh, the score is better, you know. Mm -hmm. better, yeah, better score, better score than the first film, and uh, so overall, I think like the first film has some flaws, okay, but it's got some brilliant things, powerful things, mm -hmm. things yeah. that it's it's it legitimately talks about stuff that yeah, well, we haven't heard that, so uh, mm -hmm. you know, so there there are a lot of things to like about it, and uh, I do of course understand, and I, and I really wish we had a female critic to talk about their perspective on this. But once, you know, once it's been out, I mean, really dive deep. Yeah. Know, come back and I'll... By the way, to me, I look at it like, um, the, the, oh God, if this, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but it reminds me of the future version of The Woman King. Does that, does, is that okay? Is that acceptable? I mean... It's, it's more than acceptable because what one thing we're seeing is there's a period where, and it's happened a bunch of times in film, where they redefine masculinity. And then certain actors, like a Clint Eastwood, will do things to redefine and re-examine masculinity. Mm -hmm. You know, redefining female heroism, where it's not just like she does everything the guy would do, but she's a woman. I think there, there are, I think those things should be handled by women and directed by women and written by women. But I also think that Ryan Coogler is clearly a man who had strong female figures in his life, and he understands certain things. I think he... Do you concur? I agree. No, I, okay. I, I, I think with it amazingly. And I, uh, I've heard men, especially about the woman king, by the way, men had too much to say. I'm like, dude, stop. Come on, yeah. stop it. It's like Definitely. your chauvinism is showing. Your chauvinism is showing. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I <laughs> so I know what you're saying. Well, Chuck. And I, I, by say, the way, I, check, I checked myself on that too, by the way. Let me just be clear. I checked sure. myself every step of the way on, on um, Wakanda Forever. Put whatever I was feeling to just destroy it you know, and to kill it and to make sure that I went into this with, with, com with an open heart and mind. And you know, I have to say, I think that that challenge is the challenge that uh, consciously or unconsciously, if you are someone who is biased, 
you know, if you're a white person who's biased against black people mm-hmm. or a man who is biased against women, not saying racism, not saying prejudice, but just bias, it challenges you. And I think that's what stories should be. find you how do they find you on social media i'm everywhere at chuck creekmer just how it sounds but chuck c-r-e-e-k-m-u-r that's where i view are you going to be posting a review this summer oh our review's already up it's already up already up so if they go to allhiphop.com they can read your review all right yeah thank you sir thank you all right, and you are still tuned to Listen Sponsored Radio, WBAI 99.5 FM in New York. I'm Mike Sargent. I've been here with Chuck Creekmer, who is the co-founder of allhiphop.com and a cultural critic and a comic book fan and former black nerd. He's cool now. He's not a nerd anymore. Still tuned to listener sponsored radio, WBAI 99.5 FM in New York and on the web at WBAI.org. I'm Mike Sargent and I've been talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I had uh, Chuck Creekmer. I played my original interview from 2018 with Ruth Carter and the program I do here, Real World, and my review of Black Panther. And then we just played a discussion with Chuck Creekmer and a review of Wakanda Forever. Now we're going to come out of Wakanda and we're going to put the Black Panther behind us. And we're going to go back in time. To 2008, March 10th, 2008 to be exact. And that is many, many moons ago. So Night Shift, which has been on for three decades now, has had a number of shows and a number of co-hosts. So I'm just going to transport you back in time to Night Shift 15 years ago, 14, 14 years ago. Yeah, I guess that's 14 years ago because it's 2022. And wow, look at that. So 14 years ago here on Night Shift, this 
is what was happening.
Congress invites you to Clash of the Artists. de mama. Qual foi? É a guerra no Vietnã, a brasileira na cidade dos homens, a história verdadeira. Acerola e laranjinha, os dois parceiros, vias do morro desde os tempos de menino. Na correria em busca da sobrevivência, trabalhando de montão, fugindo da delinquência, madrugadão, bambambando no do morro, traído por nefasto A vingança, pois teve de ir embora da quebrada de infância. Enquanto isso, a esposa da Cerola, tampando pra madame, planejava sair fora. Ela sonhava ter uma vida melhor, pra ir morar na sol do batalhão de sol a sol. Mas a procura de um pai vai laranjinha, no Rio 40 graus, Brasil, pra mim. É a guerra no Vietnã, a brasileira, na cidade dos homens, a história verdadeira. É a guerra no Vietnã, a brasileira, na
tell you something. Uh, I was just having a, a Paul Wonder moment there. Uh, this this is the soundtrack. Uh, this very last piece that I just played is uh, the soundtrack to uh, Days of Heaven, which is a beautiful, you know, kind of a haunting film, and partially because of the music. And uh, I actually bought it. I mean. You know how rare that is for me, Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually bought it, and I had to buy it online because it's one of those rare things. They just released it along with Two Mules for Sister Sarah, which is also a great score. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, it brings me right back <laughs> to Sunday morning, uh, somewhere between 3 and, and 5 in the morning, or five, 5 and 8 in the morning when Paul mm -hmm. used to come on, and just listening to this beautiful music. I, had never, I hadn't even seen the film. I just remember hearing the music and just like this haunting, you know, guitar. Wow. Wasn't that a beautiful piece of music? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. And it's uh, really interesting that you say that, uh, you know, you were taken back to a much more innocent time. Yeah, definitely. Because... Uh, you know, even in the, I think the last 72 hours, like some of the stuff that's just been coming out in the news, obviously the Spitzer stuff, um, you heard about that, right? Well, yeah, but some people aren't surprised at all. You know, and then, and then, um, this whole thing about like all this stuff that's in our water. Um, yeah, I read about that too. You know, the drugs. I just, and just the way I, it, there, it doesn't feel like there's any more innocent times. It just, it's just really, Maybe it's just uh, my perspective now, but it just seems like yeah. very, very scary times, dude. It's just, it's just. Uh, Did you hear about the new uh, commandments that the Pope has released? <laughs> They've got to release all kinds of new commandments. There's new commandments. I swear to you, I have it here on Night Shift. You're tuned to listen to sponsored radio WBAI 99.5 FM. A pixie has just flitted into the room, wearing her pixie hair. This is such a great score. I love this. This is Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Great score. Great score. And it's so, uh, you know, having Ennio Morricone behind Clint Eastwood in itself was kind of like a, you know, it just meant something. Because it's just, it's, it's Clint's composer at that time. Anyway. great score from the 70s, uh, 70s Western. Um, I don't know if you ever saw a film called Buck and the Preacher. Um, no. All right. Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte did a Western. Sidney Poitier directed it. It's called Buck and the Preacher. Uh, it's Actually, great. that does sound familiar. It's great, great Western, but the score is fantastic. It's Quincy Jones, and it's, it's just fantastic. And, and it has, it's all... Uh, one of these, whatever that that harmon that wow that, that that what is that? Is that a Jew harp, a Jewish harp? What do they call um, it? A Jew's harp. A Jew's harp, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's great. The whole score is a Jew's harp, and it's just it's great. It's a great score. And, uh, it's see. I, I wish the score was available because I would have it instead of having to sing it. Uh, what did you say, Elena? 
please don't keep doing that. I will love to listen. Please, I listen back to tapes. I hear Elena snorting and hawking and hee hawing in the background. There's nothing wrong with that. I understand. That's that's what you've been taught. That's how you. <laughs> how you've been raised well i have so much you know you talk about the stuff in the news there's so much i have so much fantastic life is like science fiction it's, it's fantastic fa when i say fantastic i mean fantastic no, stop. okay fantastic okay some of it is just pure the essence of what life is like science fiction is and some of it's you know there's there's really not much you can say a couple things i thought of you robotic drumstick keeps you on the beat Oh, a machine that controls an officer's drumstick to help them learn to play could be the first in a string of robotic musical teachers. I've seen my. This I device has been found to cut the time it takes to pick up new rhythms, according to a study. Music wow. teachers often guide a student's hand to get across the complex or subtle movements. Say, says Graham Grinley, a computer scientist who developed the device, says, "I had an idea of a drum kit that would guide you through the playing." Wow. And the, the, now it says, Grunley previously experimented with a guiding drumstick tip using magnets, but found you a mechanical, that's right, <laughs> but found a mechanical system more effective. This approach resulted in what Grinley has dubbed the haptic guidance system, or Hagas, which has a drumstick attached to a set of motors. The user grasps a stick with their arm held in position by an adjacent brace. See image right. And so their hand is guided by the action of the motors. Oh, that sounds good. Is. Wow. I could use my own like Life is like science stick. fiction. That's right, Chris. That's pretty cool. Man. It is pretty cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it Chris, is. Chris, if I give that to you, would you give that to me? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, Mike, it's funny. You listen to the poll. One thing also, you know, I had a moment where uh, I was I was watching Chain Reaction. I had forgot that Jerry had wrote the music for that. That's right. But the, yes. you, you know, and I'm just, it was like, I think I caught it like after 10 minutes that it, you know, it was on. You then, know, and, and then, and then and, when and did I, you realize it was Jerry? No, I just started listening. I'm going, oh, it's just Jerry. And then I just started thinking like how, like how gracious and how wonderful and how nice he was sure. to us. And, Jerry was the man. Oh, it's just, you know, I just, I just started, you know, thinking about that. Isn't that weird? I didn't, like, it's just funny to talk about Paul Wonder and just, uh... Well, you see, that's the thing about Paul Wonder. You know, it's funny. Someone sent in a pledge, uh, and I want to thank them. They sent in the, with a really beautiful letter, uh, saying how much they appreciated, you know, what we do here in the show. And, 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 you know, talking about, uh, like sensibilities and, and sharing that, the gift of insight and all that stuff. And the music. You know, they, they, which, by the way, I have the CDs here with me. I have the master CD. I even went so far as to get printed up inserts. Check it out, Elena. Elena, check it out. Wow. See, DGM 2008, <gasps> Volume 1. Take a look at that. Look Very at that. Nice. Look at that. And I even have a full track listing in full color that comes with it. In color. And that's right. Color. Full wow. color. I spent money. Check wow. this out. Look no, Mike spent money? Yes, I did. Yes, that I did. is life is that's, that's a lot these days. Yes, because, it is, babe. Uh, Let me tell you, babe. It, listen, I mean, gas I spent money. Uh, outrageous. As a matter of fact, what just happened is I was driving and, tonight. And wait, tell me, was it wild to you that OPEC said, no, it's not It's not us. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not us. It's, yeah. it's them. It, 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 went, it went from uh, 237. Yeah. And then six hours later, I'm driving by, and it's now 2:49. And now we know same gas station. You don't want to know what's interesting. I don't think there's any other industry. Now, this quote unquote, with except maybe, maybe of diamonds, okay, and even that, it's not within hours. People change their prices. It's like <laughs> they're, they're not even paying more yet, but they but they automatically gouge you, yep. and and it's and it's legal. I um 
Do you think they'll regulate and everything? I mean, I don't know last time you went shopping, but I mean, well, gas become regulated, and the government totally takes over all oil companies, and gas is regulated. Is I don't think that. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to survive. Uh, All right, how about this? What about that? I have another science fiction concept for you. Yeah, okay, Let's say up. Hillary gets in, right? Okay. Mm. And, and this came for a discussion. Uh, of, actually, you know. go ahead. All right. Now, Hillary, like Hillary, Hillary gets that in. With you. Wait, wait, listen. Hillary gets in. She becomes president, right? Right. And then for the next 50 years, we have nothing but female presidents. Why is okay. that life? Well, that, you know, that's fiction. life. That's life. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I want to see the 50 years from now, from women who rule the United States, where are we? I'd like to see 20 years from now. I just want to see, is there oh, any well, difference? Oh, well, so what would have happened? So you think that Hillary's going to get in well, no, no, over Obama? Well, I, this is the, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. This is my science fiction concept. Yeah, oh, science fiction concept. Science so you're kind of skating the end. Yeah. 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 Skating so the Chrissy's end. basically this in. This is Night Shift. I think it'd be great to have a one president. I think it would be great to have an African-American president. But is she I, the I, one, Chris? I, I think that either one would be great. I think as a team, I think that if one of them, whichever one is has the, the smaller one ego, chosen, I think that the Whoever other one the should be ego. the vice president. I think that would be an incredible ticket. I think that... Uh, I think you are not alone in that thinking. You know, but, and, I, and I would like to see that happen. Because I think that you know, uh, you know, I pray that 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 the world can get better. Because uh, I mean, in, in, if a in, black man or a woman is president, the world will get better. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I like think that. that we're, it, it seems like I like the concept. In, <laughs> I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah, you know, I, what I, a black man or a woman do better. I'm with that. I don't think it's about that. It's about the individual. I, I, but this is I what Chris really said. don't know how people that are in political office right now can sleep at night. Um, Why? We mean because of because of Spitzer? That they have made. <laughs> it's like a man like that has to pay. All right. So, you know. Well, there it is. I have so I, many stories. I have so many stories. I have. I, have, I just want to get out into the world now. We, you know, American politics, all that. Let's get out into the world. Let's get out into the world. The world of night shit. See, that's what I have. Tons of CDs of, of you doing that. Uh, Thank you. I do. Elena, let's lose. Yeah, exactly. I could do totally. an edit of all her various sounds. Hello, you're in the air. Hello. 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 How y'all doing, man? We're all right, right. We didn't give out the theme yet. Do you want the theme? And what's your name, sir? My name is Sabbath. Your name is Sabbath? Sabbath. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. I was thinking, when you talk about Hillary as president, yes. are you there? I'm here. Mm -hmm. I was thinking because Clintons have a very good zap uh, ray. They have a, 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 a what ray? A zap ray? They have a ray zap if anybody's going uh, to like, their like the campaign or anything, they suddenly die. I understand. Like a death, like a political death ray. Yes, I like that. That's very good, sir. What's your name? Okay. <laughs> your name is fabulous. Still can't get it. Fabulous. Is that fabulous? Hello, you're on the air. Uh-oh.
Okay, do battling uh, bass and drum there. Yeah, it's from what the... That, uh, you know, I did a James Bond show a couple weeks ago. That's somebody calling out in some strange way letting me know. I heard that show. Oh, that's them letting you know. I think so. That's They're my They're reaching take. out. That's my take. Because we haven't given out the number. So these are a certain breed. These are callers. They're not listeners who are calling. Who decided to call. <laughs> I haven't given out the number or the theme. It's 1240. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're in the air. Nope. See? No good. Michael and Chris and Elena. Is that, is that Jeffrey? Did you enjoy that old James Bond thing there? Was yes. that you, Jeffrey? You know what that was from? Uh, Brian Bond. Sets. Brian Sets or one, one Rockin' Night. He opens the show with that. Brian Sasser? You know, brought from the straight cats, Mike. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bridget, Bridget Eklund. Eklund, right? Isn't he married to her? Or wasn't married to her? Uh, no, I was uh, Chris, Schultz. Chris, the wife is not the point here. Brian sets the straight cast and then the big band orchestra with eight, eight different CDs already. Chris, come on. You're the music man. No, I, I know who he is. I'm just, you know, he, no, his, his brother is Elliot. I know. Elliot paid $4,000. Michael, $4,300 for two and a half hours of prostitution. What could that have entailed? Quite a bit. Quite what a bit. could that have a deal? I'm with me. that. When you're spending five thousand dollars, you better get your money's worth. I mean, like, I, I can get that. I can tell I you what it entails. I know what it entails. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, listen, one day you'll find out. But one day, someday. That's now, right. Save think, up five thousand dollars. You, you too. Actually, don't, that, don't give the show. Jeff, you want to know what it entails? Just it like entails. Don't, Chris. Don't. Don't. I'm not. All I'm going to say. Don't indulge him. And don't yell. Don't indulge him. All right. Let's let's see. Why don't you give out the number later? Two one two two zero nine two nine hundred. And I can be cheaper than yeah, 5000 I love this cut, Chris. I want to know what you think of it. Okay. Okay, hold on. What? what, what? I, I just, this cut, I just like it. I don't I'm going to be 25 bucks. I'm going to play yeah, it, it yeah. It's very, it's very like, it's kind of like that, it's somewhat 70s power rock mm -hmm. kind of thing. All right, here we go. Except that it's, you know, very new aging. Hi, Mike. Hey, who's this? Maria. Maria. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Okay. Maria, how long have you been listening to the show? You say you say Maria like I would know you. You know me, Maria, Alina. Maria, oh, Alina. Yeah. Maria, Alina. Didn't okay. Maria, <laughs> Alina. Like Chris, do you remember Maria, Alina? Yeah. Have you, you got seen the her same baby? Name Have I you do? seen how What's cute up? her baby is? The cutest baby. All right, no, wait. All right, I want you to hear this cut, though, Chris. All right, let me uh, let me back it up. I wish you had uh, you had upgraded your uh, Safari so that you could. Uh, Listen to the show online. Now, you just have to turn this cut up at home. If you're at home, just turn it up. Tell me if it works for you.
like it, Chris. I love it. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the uh, the Spike Lee's last film, um, The Bank Robbery. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That had a great score. That had the, be- that the beginning Man. of the score sounds a lot like this. Yeah, it did. It was good. Except what it was, was a little more Indian. Inside Man. Inside Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there it is. Um, That's great. See. I love it. I, Who's I, that? Uh, you know, I forget that. I got to have to look at the scene. But it's great. It's yeah, great. let's get all the music off the radios. Okay. Oh, uh, thank you very much. Yes, okay, yes, we'll do that right away. But I love people like that who, who listen and call. Uh, did you give up the miss in, in, in the end, Elena? Can't hear me. I hear you now. You can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Elena. Two zero nine two nine hundred. Elena, let's go. Let's go to Graceland together. Come on, Elena. Do you want to totally list the will. new sins? The new sins, including pollution. There are new sins. The Vatican has released them. Do you want to? Do you want to read that story? Sure. There you go. You, you Elena to, needs a road trip, Mike. You know that, right? I need a road she, trip. She road trips every day. I mean, what every, Elena are you talking about? Uh, not the one on the phone. We're talking about the one in the. Uh, I would like to hear if you'd like to go on a road trip, and where would you go? I personally, mm-hmm. I would go anywhere. I'm, I'm totally down with a road trip. All right, here we go. How about this? For things in the future, you know, ways in which to hurt your lover. Italian jailed for emailing nude photos of ex-lover. An Italian man was jailed for more than two years after putting pornographic pictures of his ex-girlfriend on the Internet and sending them out to more than 15,000 emails. The 32-year-old man had created a website that appeared to show his ex-girlfriend offering sexual favors and erotic games with her phone number also on display. The man who also sent threatening text messages to the woman and her parents was accused of aggravated defamation, threatening, and violence. In its ruling, the Milan court said that the man had publicized photo and data that should have remained private and done so without his ex-girlfriend's consent. The court sentenced him to two years and four months in jail. Hmm. That'll give him some time to think about his ex. Yeah, well. How about wife snagging left me impotent? Okay, I like that. I'd like an to hear Italian that man also is de- is demanding one hundred and forty thousand dollars in compensation after claiming his wife' constant nagging left him impotent. People are not getting along in Italy, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. He has produced medical evidence in court. Please shut up, please. <laughs> in courts that back up exactly. his claims that his wife's nagging. Please shut up! I can't even get it up anymore. All I do is think of you yelling and nagging. Sorry. Get, get. I'm sorry. And if you're his wife's nagging caused him so shut much up. stress that he has been left impotent. I can't even get it. He said all that she does is complain. It is extremely stressful and has left me unable to be a man. Why not leave her? Is there divorce in in Italy? Do they divorce each other? No, he wants some compensation. Well, why did he stay? Uh, I don't understand. Look what you've done to me. It's like it takes so much effort to leave. Definition of martyrdom. You know, it'd be really funny. The guy's like 60 years old. You know, it's like I'm 60 years old or 65, and because of my wife's nagging that I'm impotent now. You know, it's only like two out of every three men go impotent after age 50 if they watch that show. If they have nagging wives. And that's why you have to order that special stuff. The little blue pill that Jeff makes at his house. He'll probably call back. Now, here's the 70s Here's the 70s song that works. Did you hear they found rings around the moon? That's not the only place they found rings. 
Stroke me, stroke me. I have some interesting news about electric cars. I, I just have so much stuff here to tell you. Uh, uh, dark well, go fire. ahead. I'm excited Food. because I, I watched so the show things. the other night, like what would happen to the planet if humans just disappeared. Yes, they, they and would it, blossom. It was great. Basically, the bottom line is let's get out of the way, you know, and let the earth go back to the way. So maybe we should blast us out of the exodus. Well, they were just saying that cell phones will probably last 25,000 years. I hear you. You know, but cockroaches will probably die, and that everything on the moon will be there that was left there. If we ever went there, it'll still be there, even when we're not here anymore. Well, there it is. Legacy. Yeah, no, I heard about that. You know, Richard Hoagland, he was a... Not really, because the thing they say is just a sediment. Hello, you on the air. Oh, nobody's there. What, what's the... Oh, what's they're the already leaving. Of? And you've been listening to an encore presentation of a past night shift, a vintage night shift, and that was Chris and the crew. We were talking about things, of course, that happened 14 years ago. If you've been enjoying this show, if you've been paying attention, or if you just tuned in, you were like, what the hell was I listening to? What are they talking about? Is this the past? Is it the present? Have I tuned into the past? Well, you were listening to an encore presentation of a past episode of Night Shift because we've been on for 30 years, which is, as I like to say, amazing, because that means I started when I was nine, and so we've been celebrating by replaying, as it were, these classic episodes of Night Shift. If you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, if you learned, laughed, or just were able to pass the time well, please consider making a pledge to WBAI to support a listener-sponsored radio. We're going to have some very special programming for you tomorrow, so make sure you are tuned all day tomorrow to know how you can support Pacifica Radio. I'm Mike Sargent, and if you want to pledge in the name of Night Shift, you can go online right now to WBAI.org, and right there on the front page, there's a whole bunch of ways to pledge. You can go to my page, N-I-T-E-S-H-I-F-T, Night Shift, and you can pledge in the name of Night Shift right there. What would be great is if you could become a WBAI buddy, and I love the idea. If you don't know what a WBAI buddy is, and you just tune into this weirdness, however unlikely that is, pledge $30 a month to celebrate 30 years of Night Shift. Being a BAI buddy is like... You're, you're on the inside track. You're a member. You're a supporting member. It's a monthly donation to this station to keep it going. And that's what we call a WBAI buddy. So if you'd like to enter into that relationship with us, with Night Shift, with WBAI, please make a pledge right now. You can also call because there are people who will take your call. 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. I'm Mike Sargent. Next week, I'll be back here from 10 p.m. till midnight, where life is like science fiction.
Extinction Diaries. Extinction model is the term used for the calculation of time until the death of the last individual of the species in the wild and in captivity. A simple and early extinction model formula was to compare annual birth rates and death rates, but it becomes more complex from there. Advances in science calculated the rate of habitat destruction, pollution, climate change, and in the case of the oceans, the rate of seawater acidification due to warming and other factors. Scientists are also observing resource extraction, like the harvest levels of fish and other marine animals, logging, and general deforestation. Now they factor in body size and energy use, also known as metabolism, to more accurately model and hopefully reveal solutions to slow or stop a species extinction. However, man is notorious for modeling short-sighted and many species have already disappeared much sooner than modeled. As living members on our planet fall, and in some cases, plummet, more and more dedicated scientists and activists engage the greatest challenge on Earth. My name is Mahaya Soul, and this is a Small World Radio production. Help WBAI rebuild. Our steady stream of BAI Buddy monthly subscriptions had built terrific momentum at its launch, and we need to rebuild that interrupted momentum again. Fill out the secure online form on our website at wbai.org to donate 